Right. So well, all I want to say is that because we haven't done this in a long time, I've forgotten how this works. Well, then, <laughs> then I, I can start us off on the right track of absolute caution, which is to announce the fact to uh, the 33% of the currently present podcasters that uh, all our friends found out about the fact this podcast exists um, and uh, basically said that we're under strict orders to at some stage let them watch it. So, you know, <laughs> let that guide your words with caution. And <laughs> I will not say the um, incriminating evidence I have about X, Y, and Z, this one, unlike the preceding ones. Okay, well, as I think that you're going to have a tough battle because Jenny and I are the majority and we don't want anyone we know to listen to this podcast. <laughs> Jenny said it would happen. She caved to social pressure at the I time. Didn't I said, Red wouldn't like this, Red wouldn't like this, but then Jenny was like, no. oh no, of course I'll show you guys. And Jenny's my wife, so of course I agreed with her. So, you know, by some sort of social pressure-inflicted mechanism, uh, at some stage in the future, at some stage between now and 99 years' time, we'll have to, you know, let them see. No, Red, I did not cave. I, I have no, no intention of that. Uh, yeah. uh, although I think some were there, was it Nicola was keen to be a guest? So. Yes, that's true. <laughs> yes. And when, I saw, when we saw Vicky um, at... Uh, um, before your visit, Jenny, she was like, "I'm not going to listen," but Ken, Ken likes Star Trek. Ken will listen. Mm. Like, okay. anyway, anyway, let, yeah, let's, talk, let's talk Star Trek. Let's, yeah. So let's this talk. week it's uh, ex post facto. Before I carry on, I meant to what Google. Does, does anyone mean? actually know what ex post facto means? It, no. I feel like it means something legalistic, like mm. convicted after the fact, but I don't mm. know. Ex post facto. Things like, like fake oh. news. No, it's an expo, an expo facto. No, an ex post facto law is the law that retroactively changes the legal consequences of actions that were committed or relationships that existed before the enactment of the law. Ah, so it would be like yeah. a law that I put in place after this podcast, saying, "Red, it was illegal for you to talk to James because James, Jamie, because he's a hazard to humans." I'm going to punish you for the fact that you talked to him, even though it wasn't a law at the time. Yeah. Well, that's weird, because then I don't understand how it relates to the episode. Um, it sounds fancy. <laughs> there are, I mean, there's legalistic things to it, and... Well, because yeah. it's more that he's... Um, he's falsely convicted. Yeah, he's falsely convicted on uh, sort of fake mm. evidence, rather than the laws change. Yeah. Well, let's stuff. keep that in mind as we as we proceed. But Jamie, are you ready to give us your one minute or whatever length that we never hold you <laughs> summary? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I feel like you do. I just think that this is the first episode in which Tom Paris encounters a circumstance that would actually encourage him to let his brain do his thinking for him as opposed to his balls. <laughs> Is that your summary or a commentary on the episode? I, it's my summary, yeah. Um, enacted in a slightly odd space opera of a streetcar named Desire in some instances and some of the uh, looks and scenes that we're, um, I don't want to say subjected to, but that we see in this episode. Uh, well, yeah, I guess we're going to dive into it, but he is quite early Tom Paris in this episode, but he also, I think, does some things that redeem or show that he's not all... Oh, yeah, no, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I th Tom Paris has done nothing wrong. 
nothing wrong <laughs> to um, to quote. Uh, I think it's Mike, uh, Colin Jost in one of the Saturday Night Live things that he and Michael Che do. Anyway, um, <laughs> well, before we dive into like the what's the word review of the episode, um, I did also listen, listen to the podcast, um, but not well, just two things. But did did you, did you find maybe it's because I take notes? But this mm. whole like it was the first time we've had an episode where they do all this flashbacks and memory mm. drops and whatever. So the storytelling mm. is it's a completely new structure, and it was mm. also like a detective story on top of that. So mm. I felt like I had to really taking notes was kind of a struggle. Or it was like a bit like mm. the last episode. I was like, oh, okay, I'm finally into this. I'm not going to be so detailed, and I went really quickly. Mm. This time I had to like keep pausing, <laughs> making sure. Mm. I didn't quite know how to describe all the flashbacks, but yeah, maybe. Um, well, no, but yeah. I, I, I actually enjoyed it. I thought it, starting on a black and white of a dramatic scene in that way, uh, and then to Tom sort of in, uh, sorry, so for our, our uh, listeners, uh, such as they are, if they ever <laughs> oh, exist. Haha. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the first scene starts with a black and white first person perspective of someone being murdered, which Tom Paris is in the middle of effectively living um, this, this scene in black and white from the perspective of someone who once he comes out of this, uh, we find out cerebellum chip induced uh, trance. He is on trial for the murder, which uh, he, experiences being committed on this theoretical person and that becomes the central premise of the episode that he has been convicted on this uh, strange planet of murdering a man and is being subjected to the punishment which uh, murderers are subject to on this planet which is every 14 hours a memory chip that they have in their brain makes them relive the moment of the murder from the perspective of the person being murdered. Yeah. Um, and that, I think, is, like... I think that's a horrendous punishment, actually. <laughs> um, but it's well, also yeah, a really we... dramatic conceit yeah. to start the episode with. I mean, it is a very unusual start, that black and white image, and you're seeing Tom from the perspective of someone else, and he's, mm. like, obviously having an affair, and this guy's, like, upset, and, uh, you know, ultimately he lands up, you know, in this mm. one, he's Tom murdering mm. this guy and as you say then you find out he's been convicted of this mm. crime and his punishment is this unusual punishment but just mm. the whole black and white thing um uh i mean i thought it was i don't know a lot about film but it comes across as very like film noir so it's like a mm. very specific genre of um of style that they're going for there which also yeah. is kind of different what, what was that famous sort of comic strip that was always black and white city rain pouring down was it sin sin city there's there's a lot of that sort of feel to a lot of scenes in this with the sort of dramatic. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of the references go to my head, but definitely it's based on something very specific. Hang on. Um, yeah. Did you watch Sin City out of interest? Nope. <laughs> I've never seen it. I, I feel like I knew someone who was absolutely obsessed with it. Um, Sin City is probably based on something that came before it. So hmm. um, Neo Noir, Frank Miller's Sin City, yeah. Okay. But yeah, Jenny, what did you think of the punishment? Oh, um, very strange. Um, I, I, I mean, I thought it was more interesting, actually. It was a bit later on, but the fact that they'd actually progressed to that punishment from mm. earlier 
stages in their civilization, civilization mm. when it was lethal injection. Because um, then that comes up later for various reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was like, interesting, uh, interesting that that's the sort of thing that they progress to. Mm. Because, I mean, I guess we only see the impact on Tom and he's sort of an alien physiology and maybe it's much worse, mm. but it's basically torture. Um, so yeah, but progress- don't you think, I mean, when you say progress, do you mean progress as be kinder to the criminal or progressed as in uh, deter crime stronger? <laughs> mm, yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's that's. It just made me wonder, you know. I, I was like, that's interesting. It made me want to learn more about their, their um, mm. this alien's legal system, I guess, because I was like, interesting. So they all they were doing um, lethal um, injection, and then they moved to um, this sort of mm. weird messing with people's memories, which in Tom becomes a form of torture. But as they say, it was not intended as torture. It was supposed to be just punishment. Mm. And then and that makes me think about the difference between punishment versus torture. Like, that's kind of a hard one to define. Mm. Anyway, they were my general, general <laughs> thoughts on it. <laughs> on the Delta Flyers podcast, I think they had a comment at this stage, which they, they, they were kind of saying, they found it kind of weird that he's being sentenced in what essentially looks like a therapy room or therapist's like office or something. Because, you know, when they like pan out and he's lying on that chaise long. Chaise <laughs> long. Uh, but I was like, to me, that made perfect sense because it's like a psychological punishment. They're not, they mm. like the treatment or the punishment is this psychological punishment, not like mm. prison punishment. So I thought that was like, a, for me, I actually quite like that kind of setting. Yeah. It's but, interesting you say psychological, but then I, how much is he reliving it? Because he's actually being repeatedly stabbed over, over and over only, again. Only in his head. Well, this is the thing. I'm like, is he actually feeling it, or is he feeling the knife in his stomach? Well, or is I think he, it, is no, he because it's it? not. Like, it's not a. It's not a chip, actually, memory chip. It's the it's memories that have been implanted. I think, and it's uh, well, maybe it's a chip, but it's mm. so he's reliving the memories of the moment. I don't think he has a physical. Yeah, um, and the the mm. moment, just in case we haven't been specific enough for um, our viewers, plural or otherwise, <laughs> is of the scientist who or. Uh, the scientist who's murder, murdered, uh, coming home, being greeted by a dog, and that dog will be important, and then going into the next room, seeing Tom Paris uh, with his wife in a passionate, passionate embrace, then some accusations flying, the individual turning around to leave, and then a slightly hazy fumble, and then uh, an image of a knife basically poking out of himself, and him lying down and dying, which is a bit unclear, but certainly puts Tom in the frame of someone who's likely uh, the murderer on prima facie uh, circumstantial evidence. But Tom is adamant in the very front, in and from yeah, the very we're scene that he's innocent. Yeah, after we find out that Tom has got you know, like being convicted and uh, mm. this punishment has been applied, the next mm. thing we see, we're in sick bay with the doctor and Kez, and we can see mm. she's still interested and committed to her medical mm. training and everything. Um, but the, the the issue of the doctor's name comes up again, mm. um, and they have that kind of interesting um, conversation because he's like, "Well, I asked the captain," and she's like, "Why don't you choose a name for yourself?" And he really struggles to see how he, as a hologram, can choose his own name, which mm. um, so I, I don't have know. some sympathy for that intellectual position. Yeah, no, it's just kind of when you watch the whole of Star Trek millions of times, you sometimes forget he was kind of just this <laughs> um, mm. uh, constrained individual, like holographic individual at the beginning, you know, early on in the mm. series where he's like, I can't choose a name. 
holograms can't choose. We just program, blah, blah, blah. And they're mm. just like, can't you just pick a name from your database? Um, <laughs> I like when he chooses a few. And I did like the little nod to the original series when he's like, Dr. Spock. Mm. <laughs> um, so. no, I kind of recognized Galen as well. I wondered whether that was... I, that I name was, yeah. Yeah, was it Reed Galen? No, not Reed Galen. Doctor uh, Galen. Doc- I've I heard that. Hang on, Galen. must be in episode. But I like the analogy they make there with with Kess is like, well, yeah, but is how different is that to like? Because when if we were choosing a name, we would just access our you know database of memories <sighs> of names we already know and decide which one, or you know you can just make one up based on you know Ooh. letters that you know. It's a little bit like you know just accessing <laughs> your many programs isn't it however i i i have a different perspective on this from both of you and this is because um whilst i understand everything you're saying it's not actually typical to choose your own name no we know that (laughs) i know that that, but like it's nothing and and i actually find that quite an interesting sort of challenge to present a hologram with no sort of uh, thank you for laughing at me about the fact that you know it um but it actually, when you think of it, it adds more depth to the dilemma facing uh, the good doctor. I guess kind of what you're saying is that if he was an AI model, he would be trained on all everything of the thing. And no, no, none of that training would include the examples of humans naming themselves, in a yeah, sense. Yeah, and, and very few, exactly so. And also, if you keep laughing at my take on this, I'm not going to tell you who Dr. Galen was. Oh, no, you're very excited to tell us. I'm not going to tell you. We were laughing at the... the... You, as a prime example of your mansplanation, <laughs> Red and Jenny, most humans don't choose their own names. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know how it meant it, but yes. I just, I, I have trouble with terms like mansplanation. But I know, I'm just At some off. stage, maybe you can mansplain it to me. Uh, yeah. Um, mansplain but, who Dr. Galen was, please. Uh, only if you mansplained me how I could do that without it being mansplaining. Well, I don't know the answer, so anything you tell me won't be mansplaining. <laughs> and she um, asked for the answer. <laughs> so Dr. Galen is a character who I'm pasting in the link there. But if you truly wish to know, I believe that he was Jean-Luc Picard's archaeology instructor at Starfleet. Ah. Um, so the most renowned Federation archaeologist of the 24th century... Among Galen's best works were his studies of the Kerlin civilization. Yeah, but is a Galen who's a doctor? I think probably he is a doctor. Know. Yes, um, but that is the reference that is being noticed because I think Spock was not a doctor either. Yeah, uh, that doctor, the medical was, doctor. No, because I'm actually reading the creation of the Star Trek. Yeah, he's not a doctor, but he's a science officer. I think. Mm. Oh, the one I said is that he's uh, the one you were talking about, Jamie, is different to the one who's the doctor. Um, oh, really? Hmm. Yeah. Doctor there Galen. are three Galens. Um, Unbelievable. A notable doctor, a Federation archaeologist, and an alias used by Jean Luc Picard. Oh, so if I click on that, what do I get? I want a picture! <laughs> anyway, this can't be great listening. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. editing. Lead um, us, Red. Lead us. So then they, they still we saw the doctor and kids, but then they get a comms from Janeway who says there's an injured crewman on the way back to Voyager, and they don't know if it's Kim or Paris because they were both. But there's only one. There's only one exactly. 
Yeah. Um, so the next thing we see is Kim in sickbay on the bed. Mm. Someone's called. I don't think. I think it'd be the more technical name. Medbed. Med. Medbed. Med <laughs> <laughs> I know they call it like a clamshell when the clamshell is closed or something. You know when they have that like um, the sensor that goes over the person in the bed. But just saying mm. bed seems a bit strange. Yeah, um, the medical bay. Med in the medical bed. Yes. Um. Uh, and Kim is kind of like a bit out of it. He's like, they made me leave him behind. They made me leave him behind. Yeah. So he, he seems very stressed about that. Um, and Janeway wants to know what happened to Paris. And mm. Harry starts to tell her that Tom has been accused of murder of Tolan Wren. So now, when I watched this series, I always assumed Wren was spelled W-R-E-N. Because that is a bird, right? Mm. Yes. And they have that feathery um, headdress thing. And I was yep. like, oh, that's clever. But in the, like, if you look online, it's spelled Ren, R-E-N. Oh, really? Or hmm. Maybe I was overthinking it. <laughs> I mean, they presumably don't have the same alphabet, so. No, I mean, it doesn't have to. But, you know, I thought that was kind of a, I don't know, a play on the, the look or something. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, Tom has been accused of murder of Tolan Ren, an engineering physicist on the home planet of the Banaeans. Hmm. Um, and then... As Harry is beginning to explain, they kind of melt into this flashback where Tom and Harry are back on the planet. And they are meeting, they meet, they get introduced to this physicist and he offers to help them. He has some expertise that he can help them get like back to Earth faster. I honestly didn't know what his expertise Yeah, was. it just seemed like they had a bit of a malfunction that uh, he offered to help them. And he's introduced by the Chancellor as the person who's designed the last few generations of ships keeping them one step ahead of this unspecified other group whose names I actually struggled with. Can you, can you the names? Numerians? Numerians. Okay. Yeah, because at that point we do get a hint about this conflict, I guess, between the Bunnians and the And Anyway, this physicist told and invites them around to have dinner with his wife and then they can work on this after dinner. But even the way... Oh, yeah, no. So... Then we have that like cityscape of the alien city. I always like it when we have those, even if they just paint it on a cardboard. To me, it reminded, it kind of looked, I've never actually seen Seattle, but for some reason it reminded me of like a futuristic Seattle. I can imagine like Frasier mm. living there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's such a good call. Mm. <laughs> um, and then next thing we in Tolan's apartment with Harry and Tom, and we meet, I don't know if it's Mika or Mika, but that cute but ugly little dog. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it... how do I feel about the fact that on the far side of the universe there are canines that look exactly like our worst canines? That dog was a key character in this episode. So <laughs> okay, it's okay if they're dramatic mechanisms. No, that that's fair enough. But but also um, a very, I don't know. Do you guys get a streetcar named Desire vibe off the femme fatale? Lady, who's the Liddell. apparently far younger wife of the physicist, Dr. Wren. Again, I think there's a lot of references that were passing me by because this is like, I mean, mm. on the podcast, they did say this is the director or the writer. It was a homage mm. to detective fiction or something. Mm. You know, like, that's why. And so, yeah, often she's behaving in a way or acting in a way or turning her head in a way. I mean, she mm. has this kind of enigmatic quality that I think... Mm. Um, but when I saw a streetcar named Desire, it was in the theatre, so I, I don't know if I... Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I do. It doesn't... She doesn't remind me of these as a two female characters in that. Um, but, mm. yeah, I can see the um, 
Hercule Poirot type um, sort of uh, what this episode is all about. Yes, yes. element which I mm. like. Uh, and Tom is obviously instantly attracted to her. <laughs> I mean, of it's, course, it's I mean, sexual attraction on first sight. Um, and when uh, I also really like that drinks cabinet that uh, she opens. Yeah, oh, <laughs> yes, so stylish. That was very cool. But the look that Harry gives Tom when he's like make mixing a drink there or whatever it's like don't yeah. you don't you start or don't you even think about it or something yeah very clear look what are you looking at not the same thing you're looking at <laughs> and then, yeah. what are you looking at anyway <laughs> um but then they're having dinner and like a bit of the backstory emerges and it seems like tolan has been neglecting his wife because he's been so focused on his like work in the war efforts and so she's mm. He's like saying, oh, she's much more sociable and I don't pay any attention to her. So it's kind of leading up to this um, dangerous situation, I guess. Mm. Um, Then we're kind of back in sickbay again and back to Harry. Well, yeah. And he's kind of explaining that, um, you know, after dinner, Tom got bored and went to spend time with Liddell and that he knows that Tom saw her again the next day, which I think is kind of key. Mm. And we find out that Harry was interrogated and kept for two days. Um, which probably explains why he's so, you know, like dehydrated and everything. Hmm. So Janeway orders a change of course to the Bunny and home world. Yeah. Anything to does add she, before we go to the radio? Does, does she appoint? Um, oh my goodness! I'm Neelix. having. No, you wouldn't appoint Neelix anything. If anything, <laughs> you'd fire him out the torpedo bit the first opportunity, <laughs> in spite of the fact that he repeatedly misreads the situation in terms of giving. Uh, Janeway, the uh, pestle context of the Nymerians. No, I was going to say, does she appoint Tuvok as her investigatory officer at that stage? And does I Tuvok didn't make a note, I can't remember, because I just, all I made note was that they're going to head towards... The, yeah. But, but he I, has a security I, officer, so it is kind of his job. Yeah, and, and he already starts by saying that he wanted to go to the surface, but also to um, oh, yeah. test Tom Paris's autonomic responses. Now, can anyone tell me what an autonomic response is? Yes, it's a lie detector test. Is it? Yeah, it's a futuristic lie detector test. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I, I mean, that I wouldn't, that's what they say on the podcast. But um, so I guess you don't want to spend much time on the scene with Janeway and Neelix where he doesn't give her very much advice. In fact, Larsa says he normally just runs away from them when he sees Yeah, when she's, she says, so what, what uh, can we expect when they try and intimidate us? Well, I'm normally gone by the time that they try and intimidate you. Ha 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 ha. And he yeah, literally receives a look that could have melted plasteel. <laughs> he's not very helpful at this point. It's just I, later on, I think he's he's a bit more helpful when he's describing the responses of the. No, I don't. I don't know if it's Nymuri or anyway. Nymurian. Um, mm. um, you know, and then you know, there's a bit of mystery there because they behave mm. in a slightly different way to what he was expecting, which we find out later is there was mm. a reason for that. So, uh, but earlier on, uh, yeah, he doesn't seem very helpful. No. <laughs> you yeah. probably just gloss over that. But... <laughs> He's, he ends by saying they're mm. a covert society, which I don't know how to really interpret that, to be honest. Um, mm. But at that point, I think Jamie is summoned to the bridge and they've picked up a Numeri ship, but it's only a tiny patrol vessel. So again, this is, um, well, this is the first clue that maybe things aren't as they seem in hindsight. Mm. But Janeway explains that their mission and then Mary just gives them a warning saying, well, you're entering a war zone, enter at your own risk or something. Mm. And then Neelix is suspicious because he's like, for Numeri people, that's positively friendly. That's mm. so friendly, yeah. 
It's like, watch out, but, you know, on your way. But on your way. Um, so we're back on the Benin home planet, and Tuvok and Jane, we are meeting the science minister. Mm. Um, uh, sorry, I, I made a comment about the headdress, but we've already... Oh, that one guy... And then one headdress, I think I saw guinea fowl feathers. So again, I was really taken with these headdresses. Um, and were, they, were they headdresses or is that supposed to be well, their actual skin? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's their hair. Because yeah. Tom, Tom Paris was seduced by someone whose hair could be guinea fowl feather. Yeah. I thought that was very open-minded of him. <laughs> um, yes. But... Open-minded. <laughs> You're definitely not calling him, I'm trying to think of a polite way of putting this, at all loose. <laughs> no, open-minded. Okay, okay. Um, so at this point, Janeway finds that, that Tom has been accused and punished. Um, mm. And so Janeway's like, what form of punishment? And then they describe they have the last memories of the prison they murdered implanted in there or they have to keep experiencing them every 14 hours or whatever maybe it's different for and then Tuvok wants to know how Uh, I didn't make any notes except I wrote Enneagrams because I was too Mm. tired I was like (laughs) but they can somehow retrieve those memories from the dead person Mm. and plant them in the and plant them in artificial intelligence until they've decided whether the person is guilty or not, and then... Yeah. Mm. And they never actually show us the artificial intelligence that actually has the memory, which I think is a lost opportunity for uh, a dramatic conceit. Yes. So, Um, that's mm. this whole memory. They have more memory stuff later on, Jenny, right? Like, doesn't Balana... Oh, anyway, that's in in the future. Mm. Um, But this whole being able to wipe memories or share memories Mm, in Star Trek. And I think um, the whole process, I mean... Tuvok mentions it later on where he's like, well, any technology is um, subject to risk of being tampered with. And I'm like, mm. that process they describe, I feel like there's a lot of possibility for you. Oh, tampering. my goodness, yes. You can extract memories from a dead person, someone already dead, and then, as I say, there's already, like, I mean, yeah. their body's already, like, necroticizing it, like, there's so many problems. Yeah. And, then, and then they put it into an AI, <laughs> So, and then and then they extract it from the air, put it into a new person. And on this particular case, mm. the new person is in fact an alien mm. whose physiology they're not familiar with. So I feel like there was many opportunity for tampering. That's a really good point. Mm. I was like, wow, foolproof method. But not you yeah. that one. So many problems. Mm. <laughs> so many problems. Um, so the next scene, we are in, I guess, the holding cell. Or I don't know where Tom is on this planet, but uh, we see Janeway with, and Tuvok with Tom. And I had to laugh, but then Tuvok just comes like straight up with it. He's like, Lieutenant, uh, Lieutenant, did you murder Pro- Professor Wren? Like, just yeah. <laughs> no beating around the bush. Straight, both barrels, middle sump Yorker. Uh, but Tom is confused, but he's very convinced he did not kill uh, Professor mm. Wren. And he's very convinced of his own innocence. And then Tuvok again, were you having improper relations with his wife? Just like, boom, boom. <laughs> and Tom, nothing happened. Almost nothing was happening. Almost. <laughs> And then you're like, I mean, oh, did, did he come out with a Bill Clinton line? Like... I did not have sexual relations with <laughs> that alien woman. Yeah, that's... Um, well, actually, in the end, he is right when he says almost. He does say nothing, haven't yeah. Um. Well, then we Tom flashes back to, like, the evening, I guess, of the murder. Oh, no, not the murder, sorry. Uh, the evening after the dinner when they're all at... Uh, they're still having dinner. When mm. he, like, kind of drifted away from the table... Um, because he was bored by the two science guys. 
I don't know how sciencey people feel about that. <laughs> I'm a non-science person. I embrace his perspective. Of <laughs> Jenny, what to do when science people uh, are doing science I, things? I agree with his perspective. It's a bit like when two rowers get together. Yeah. You know, like it's yeah, yeah, it's understandable. You get chatting about something, and then you. You forget everyone else around you and all the other conversations. When will you people learn some social skills? Yeah, so it's not surprising he wanders off it, I guess, and he finds Liddell. Uh, mm. And she's being all a bit, like, mysterious and, like, I don't, I'd rather die slowly or than not die mm. at all or whatever she said. I don't know. Mm. Um, but then her, then she asks a question that we, I want to say, oh, have been wanting to ask. She's like, oh, mm. why don't you, like, what, um, why don't you ask me, like, why would I marry a man who's old enough to be my father or something mm. um but tom is like i don't know he's like pretty cool and casual he's not like she anyway she says something about mm. he treated me well and he's like well that's a good mm. reason like you know mm. no judgment he, or anything. he doesn't you know say it in a way that suggests he's actually trying to reason her out of no. seducing yeah. him it's more like it's more like a provocation like well that's a good reason oh is that how you interpret it Oh my goodness, yes. There's no other way of interpreting okay. it. That's a come on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, you, although, I mean, he could just be flirting because he's bored. I mean, that's yeah. also, you know, and, you know, never meant anything to happen. But anyway, um, do you know, I've just realized... says a lot about my my picking up on social cues because this is the second time there's been a scene where I've been like, that was just normal chat. And you're like, that was definitely a come on. <laughs> I still think I'm the friend with the least social skills in this group. Why would you think that? It's just what I think. Well, that's wrong. <laughs> clearly, given the evidence of the interpretation of the scene. But anyway, uh, yeah. I, I was going to say, though, guys, I think um, thinking about Jamie's comparison to uh, Streetcar and then Reg, and then we talk about Haku. Do you know what I realise, though, that this scene particularly in general reminds me of? It's more like Dick Tracy. Yes. Yeah, the normal, it, it's, yeah. it's the Sin City thing. The and her character... Sort of... Yeah, her character in particular, this like sort of um, this young wife, you know, wife smoking is, and yeah. um, melodramatic and in a um, white dress in a rainy night. Yeah, yeah, it's got that element. De- definitely that vibe, bit of both. Hang on. Yeah, yeah, I mean that definitely resonates. Again, I didn't wa- I didn't watch a lot of this type, but I must have come across Dick Tracy. I mean, I know it kind of, um, so that makes yeah. a lot of sense, but. She seems very mysterious and flirty, is what I wrote down. <laughs> um, but then I think we suddenly see um, we back to those black and white images, and mm. uh, we back on um, I guess the, the voyage on voyage the Voyager Voyager. Mm. And Tom, it turns out, is entering another punishment cycle. So it's been fourteen hours, whatever. <laughs> and and actually gets sent into a coma, doesn't it? Yeah, he loses consciousness. So Janeway's like. Uh, is this normal? I want to take him back to Voyager. Um, mm. And surprisingly, one of the Banaeans, the doctor, agrees. Uh, he supports the idea where it would normally not be um, accepted. Yeah. So Janeway, Tuvok, and Tom being back to Voyager. And we're in a sick bay. Mm. And we find out actually that this punishment cycle, the doctor realizes is actually doing serious neurological damage. And mm. every cycle that he goes through is actually could be causing permanent damage brain damage wow. and and this this leads to the worrying uh outcome being voiced doesn't it that um this is january says that's a clear reason to appeal the sentence and they'll remove them because you know this wasn't what it was supposed to be and tuvok says yes uh but the alternative sentence used to be death yes 
just to add some dramatic flavour. A few more high stakes yes. to Upping the, stakes. the episode right. as we go. Yeah, it's like all or nothing, Tom. All or nothing. Um, and is this the point? Oh, sorry, we kind of we you brought it up. What was the call? Is this the point where Tuvok said, "Well, I want to do a autonomous response uh, when he's awake." Um, the futuristic lie detector test. <laughs> is that what um, an autonomous response test is? Yes, read? yes. I can't remember those words. <laughs> Where's Jenny going? <laughs> sorry, sorry. Charger needed. Okay. Uh, and I think Akez says to Tuvok something like, "Do you think he could have done it?" And I did like Tuvok's response because, you know, I like Tuvok, but he was, as an investigator, I do not have the freedom to ignore any possibility. So he's always just single-mindedly devoted oh, to the truth. And I think, oh, Jenny's gone offline. And Jenny, I can't hear you. Yeah, I, I hope she's not going to uh, go and come into my room and throw a bucket of cold water over me. <laughs> uh, because I don't think I'd said anything that offensive. And um, also, I'm lying on the bed, so that would be a bit annoying. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I guess she, on the bed, sorry. she must have just not got the charger in in time. Mm, mm. Fair enough. Um, no, but it, it's an interesting episode for me. Uh, I know that we said it's a shorter one for 37 minutes and it sort of feels like a good moment to pause and take breath because it is very breathless. You're immediately in the middle of things. There's immediate sort of feel of threat of urgency and, and in many ways, I feel like this is an episode where we are introduced to Tuvok more than we have been previously. Ah, okay, good. Interesting. Mm, yeah. Oh, welcome back, Jenny. We didn't move on. We just mm. uh, paused to take a breath. That was very quick to get reconnected. Mm. Um, mm. But uh, we're just wrapping up a scene in the sickbay where, you know, Tuvok wants to do the lie detector test on Tom. Mm. Um, and they're kind of saying it's a really difficult position because we find, well, obviously he's been identified from beyond the grave by the memories of Soren, mm. but we also find out that his wife testified against Paris in the trial. So I was like, yeah. oh my gosh. I mean, I don't know why, why I was talking. But, <laughs> but, but it sort of makes the evidence against Paris seem all the more compelling if we didn't know that he's part of the crew and therefore never does anything wrong. Um, so it just makes him in even more of a jam, that old... Yeah. Rascal. Yeah. Wanted for murder. That old womanizer. <laughs> um, so I think, yeah, at this point, Tuvok wants to return to the surface to continue his investigation. And then the next thing we see, we have that scene with Tuvok mm. and Liddell, uh, where she's still being very enigmatic in a ballet outfit, in my in my humble opinion. Yeah, she never has really clothes that aren't for seduction at yeah. any stage of this episode. Or at least... Yeah, Recli- reclining and trying to raise the tension to seduction point at any given moment. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I think that scene was well. She was playing a very specific, yeah, or uh, aiming for something very specific. Again, I, I, yeah, but two bucks not buying it. I think. Ugh. 
yeah. I mean, it's it's telegraphed. It's not subtle. Yeah, well, uh, they're not gonna. If this is a, a homage to the genre, they're probably not gonna change it around. <laughs> but um, I think the thing that bumps up or bumps against Tuvok the most is the fact that she's like she's claiming that she decided to leave her husband after meeting Tom Paris, even though yeah. Tom Paris was going to leave the planet in a few days' time. So, yeah. Tuvok, that doesn't seem very logical. Maybe for emotional, passionate people, that would be logical, but he's like, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, he, do- he doesn't seem convinced by it. He, uh, he's very explicit that that seems dubious and, you know, yeah. cold-blooded. Oh, yeah. He- she is a bit cold-blooded because... She- when he's like, uh, oh, I'm surprised you're still staying here. And she's like, yeah, I had to get a cleaning crew to remove <laughs> yeah. his blood or not. I can't remember. But that's, it's like, that's quite amusing. It came across as quite cold. Uh, but Tuvok wants to know more about the next day when they met following the evening. Um, and so mm. she, um, we kind of go to back to another flashback, another heavy rain, lightning, or mm. you know, dimly lit, and they run in from the rain, her in Paris, into the atrium. Um, mm. And... Uh, this very romantic moment. Although I was very uncomfortable when she dropped down to take his boots off. I don't know why. I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's an obviously overly intimate gesture. Yeah, I don't know. Like... Physically close to each other yeah. after she's literally said, "Oh, look at me. My dress is transparent." Yeah. In, in, you know, so, in slightly less words. Yeah, he he kneels down though, um, and then um, I think he's kind of hesitant because he. You know, she's trying to well, seduce mm. him. He is being seduced. But then at one point, he's like, you're still married. And she's like, oh, my marriage is over. And he's like, we had just done I feel like he doesn't fight. fight very hard against this process. Yeah. I mean, he's making more of an effort than I would expect for Tom Paris. Mm. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Not saying he's the, like, the uh, model of behavior. That's... Uh... <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I actually wrote down, Tom actually very well behaved. <laughs> uh, oh, my. Uh, so she offers to make him some tea. Uh, and then in this flashback, then she says, uh, I think she returns to like the two box scene. Mm-hmm. She says, then they went into the atrium. And then after that's when they got caught by the, the husband. Um, uh, at this point, two interrogation is interrupted by Chakotay. Chakotay did not have a lot to do in this episode. Yeah. Um, but Tom is, he's, he's been worked very hard lately. Okay. Uh, with the news that Tom has woken up, and Adele has the cheek to send back a message to tell Tom that she forgives him. I forgive him. you. Yeah. <laughs> she does that through Tuvok, and at no stage do I see Tuvok either pass that message on or feel like it's remotely necessary. Uh, interestingly, I feel that Tuvok, of all people, seems the most convinced throughout this episode of Tom's innocence. And, you know, we'll wait till we get to the end before we reveal whether he is innocent or not. <laughs> or whether Tuvok was a convinced. But, but, but also that, like, Tuvok of all folk would be convinced not by personality and, you know, personal loyalty, but by logic, because Vulcans are dispassionate, logical creatures. Um, yeah. Uh, and that's a really interesting facet of this, because we would think that as observers in this episode, uh, at one remove from the action, we would be looking at the logical facts and finding in a particular direction. But the facts as we're presented them point very clearly at Tom Paris's guilt. 
if one assumes his moral weakness and his being someone who would throw away an entire Starfleet career at the chance of an affair with an aging physicist's wife who he's <laughs> never met before and is going to leave the planet in two days. Uh, I thought you were going to say aging woman, and I was like, oh my gosh, what do you mean? How dare you, Red? We <laughs> met at a place where commonplace sexism was commonplace, but I was never oh. part of that. Oh. Apart from when you people discriminated against me, but that's a different question entirely. But yeah, you you did spark. I mean, I think you're right. Um, mm. Well, because I think we are we prejudging Tom in a sense based on the fact that we know he wasn't a penal colony. We know that mm. he's like a womanizer. So you're like, well, I guess this could have happened. Whereas mm. Tuvok might not be not might not be presuming he's innocent, but he's not assuming he's guilty. Mm. Mm. So. Um. So back in sickbay, uh, Tom confirms L- this wife, the Liddell story. He's like, yeah, everything she says is true, except I can't remember anything after the tea and I don't remember going into the atrium. Um, <laughs> tea is a strong drink. Non-Brits can't take it. And I'm sure everyone at that point watching is thinking, well, she, he must have been drugged. So then they have that question, like, did you find any, like, do you walk to the doctor? Were any Narcotics. And I was like, no, there's no record of that. Hmm. And then suddenly the bridge, the ship is under attack from the Numeri. So... <sighs> Yes, here they come. But the timing doesn't really make a lot of sense because Jamie's like, why are they... <laughs> why why they now? Yeah. They've been there for ages. What's what's provoked them? Um, but, and then uh, they avoid... Well, they handle them with this kind of fancy move. Do either of you want to explain what happened there? <laughs> <laughs> what well, now, was this the one where... Dead. Is that what I was like? No, so they, they effectively, uh, as I understand, there's a wonderful exchange with uh, the captain about to call some maneuvers, and uh, Chakoti says, Captain, can I try something that has worked quite well to outrun some Federation layabouts in the past? She's like, Go for it, let's try some, uh, some marquee tactics. Um, and they effectively then fire the engine so it appears that they are in deep trouble causing the encroaching Nymerian ships to uh, attack over-aggressively in a way that leaves them exposed. And then they butt blap their cat in their ass. <laughs> Sorry. Very good. Thank you, Jamie. Yeah. I know. I, I'm, I'm channeling the concert you told us about. Um, and then the <laughs> captain comes up to Chakotay and then says, great work. You're never going to be able to pull that one again. And he says... I have more tricks or something like that, which I thought was quite floaty. Just saying for the JC shippers out there. For the what? We've discussed this, the people that wanted Chakotay and Janeway to get together. Oh, okay. Is the... What do you want to ask? I didn't come up with a term, so don't. There is nothing that I need to ask, Red. Nothing okay. at all. We all know that clearly mommy and daddy should have gotten together. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um... Uh, and then Neelix gives something vaguely useful. He says, if he knows anything about the Numeri, they'll be coming back with more. So, again, stakes are high. Kind of high because they're running out of time for their investigation. So, mm. Tuvok propose, proposes a mind meld with Tom so that he can actually see the memories that Tom is having. Uh, the Doctor in Sickbay is not happy about this. Yeah, the Doctor doesn't like this mind meld. I mean, he acts as it's not a typical thing, but I understand from my limited understanding of Star Trek... It is quite a common thing, so yeah. Is well, it common he, or not? Is there risk or no risk? There is risk, but I think he the increased risk this time was that he didn't know how the memories implanted in Tom's brain would affect 
two bucks. Mm. I think that was the dish. Okay. And maybe he sees it as like some kind of, you know, home remedy or something. <laughs> Not scientific. <laughs> Mm. yes um but um uh, so the doctors are very against the idea but i think there's this moment where you can kind of see tom is suffering and janeway's like kind of oh yes tubok please go ahead because they just want to um you mm. know get to the bottom of this um and so tubok enters tom's mind and he he sees that memory that you described earlier and that we saw mm. at the beginning of the episode uh tolan threat tolan you know he sees exactly what we've seen before tolan walking mm. on his wife and tom Tolan threatening Tom. Getting Tom. down. <laughs> Tom stabbing or murdering Tolan. Uh, it's never that clear that Tom actually does the stabbing in that scene. It's all ah. a bit blurred, but anyway. Maybe because I was writing, I never noticed that. So sometimes when I'm looking down, I must pay start. attention to the subject matter. Ray. It's more <laughs> important to feel these things than to have notes for the podcast. Oh. Hmm. Mm. <laughs> but it turns out he witnesses other stuff. Stuff that Tom, I guess, doesn't know how to interpret. So, um, yeah. so yeah, Tuva comes out the mind meld and he wants to speak to Harry. Uh, and then, I mean, we have that scene, I think. Well, actually, no, sorry. I was going to say it. I was going to rush over it. But then we see January in the ready room speaking to the Barnians on the, her computer. Mm. And it seems like she's trying to still convince them to or appeal their, like, punishment and change it to something else. Because she's, I guess she's saying Tom can't mm-hmm. handle it, so he's too sick. So she wants to send him back to the planet so they can undo it and consider another punishment. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and they want to send him by shuttle because he's too sick to be beamed, beamed back to the planet. But this is actually all kind of part of a trap. Because the next thing we see, they Tom and Harry in the shuttle, um, and... Um, they're kind of having some banter about women, <laughs> but again, ah, um, oh, but that's that's actually quite a meaningful bit because uh, Tom accuses Harry of this all being his fault, saying, "Oh God, you're supposed to be my conscience. You let me get into a situation where I've, and I'm uh, paraphrasing, banged a physicist's wife and been done up for his murder. If you'd only sort of stepped <laughs> in, I would be in this shit." And and Harry, I think, does the Star Trek equivalent of saying. WTF, you literally banged the guy's wife and are in a situation where you're... Why are we saying banged? It's funnier. (laughs) A bang, 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 bang. Spent time together. Yeah. Is is this a little bit like that episode of Carrying Up the Kyber where they're using... T as a um, what's the word synonym for Tiffin? Well, he doesn't remember <laughs> using as a synonym for claims... banging. He doesn't remember anything after the T, so that brings up a whole other issue. Um, but she right? claims that they were talking for well that period of time. Talking. So I am going. Also, oh, a Star Trek for children. Anyway, go back. Anyway, let's go back to it. So Harry Kim basically says. What on earth? You've literally snogged the man's wife, and you know you might have murdered him. Uh, and you know if you could only just not look at a woman and immediately try and seduce her. And uh, Tom says something you know quite dramatic back. He says, "Harry, someday it's going to happen to you, and you'll look at her 
and you'll know it's wrong and there's not a damn thing you can do about the fact it's going to happen. <laughs> I'm like, wow. I'm always so impressed with your recall, Jamie. Yeah, um, but it's, it's a big deal moment. It's yeah, it's a big the deal. Harry-Tom bonding process. I agree, I agree. I'm glad you... <laughs> Me too moment. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. What are those thoughts? <laughs> no Jenny there'll be nothing you can do to stop it <laughs> all right yeah, that is a very good point about the frequency because Tom probably uses that kind of excuse all the time. He's like, there's nothing I can do to stop it. <laughs> As if, yeah. Oh, no, I, I, I always want to hear more about... <laughs> um, sorry, I am just had to move my light a bit. Uh Oh, yeah. So they're on the shuttle. And then we kind of, like, Tom asks, so after that kind of, you know, bonding moment or banter, um, Tom says something to Tuba, like, are you sure you know what you're doing? Or something like that. Because then you realize that him and Harry are kind of like bait um, because the Numerians approach again. And instead of going for Voyager, they go straight for the shuttle. uh, And they board um, the shuttle. And they have like, I guess, almost like, what's the word? Bounty picture? A wanted picture of Tom. Mm-hmm. On and you know that they're specifically looking for Tom. And uh, as they kind of approach, they get beamed up off the shuttle. Tom and Harry get beamed off the shuttle. Mm. So something fishy is going on. Um, Janeway was pretty fierce when, when we were back on the bridge and she's having that conversation with the Numeri uh, guy when she's like, you must give back us our shuttle. It's being like rigged with explosives. Um, yeah, I thought she was quite um, fierce. In that yeah, scene. I mean, she's clearly she's not going in there to take prisoners. Yeah. Um. Um. At this, um, and we kind of realize we find out it's probably seven hours until the next Tom cycle punishment cycle. And Janeway's mm. like, "Well, that should be enough time to clear things up." And she hands <laughs> over to Tuvok, saying, "This is your show now." And we have yeah. our. Yeah, go ahead. No, it's just going to... And I, I'm like, at this stage, like... I mean, okay, yeah, granted, you've captured a bunch of Nymeria who were trying to kidnap Tom Paris, but what makes you so sure you're going to be able to prove his innocence? I mean, I know you've got Tuvok super well, brain, but still. Jamie, Tuvok relies on a very ancient method <laughs> when he says... When I say ancient, I mean 150 years old. With your permission, I would like to invite all involved parties to meet at the scene of the murder in two hours. I mean, Hercules Poirot. <laughs> yeah, why? Why am? Yeah, Jenny, why aren't you in here, sort of boosting up the Poirot connection? Yeah, because well, at this moment, obviously, was very thrilled at the Poirot murder she wrote connection. Um, I was like, yes, we're gonna have that scene where you know, like, is it you? Is it you? Is it you? <laughs> I mean, I think we're all pretty clear that it's is her name Nilla Liddell. Adele, yeah. Adele. I found it really hard to remember her name throughout that episode. 
Uh, I mean, I wrote it down. That's <laughs> I probably need a post-it note next to my computer with names of people next to my personal descriptions of them. Um, so, Jenny, I don't know how you felt when you heard that line, but I was, like, very excited. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Mm. <laughs> it was really good because um yeah he has them all there and he says i think he i don't know if he says but it, it emerges that he has proof that the tamper proof not tamper proof enneagrams were tampered with mm. so there are a couple of key pieces of evidence they start with like the height i think he makes paris i mean I, thought, I i don't like this element of the, the the show i just think they could have made it about anything apart from you know Murder is a short ass. Tom's not. <laughs> Please remind of... the listeners how tall you are. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> um, the second was that uh, Tuvok had noticed that uh, um, the professor had been stabbed in exactly the right place to reach his heart, so the killer would have to have some knowledge of anatomy of the bananas. Uh, yeah, where, where does he say the, the heart is on? Um, that species. I don't know, between the second and ninth rope note, Jenny, you go. Mm, nice. Yeah. Nice. Hmm. And then he also saw those symbols, which Tom had seen across those images, but just thought they were normal part of this Enneagram process. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, brilliant. And then um uh does anyone want to describe the final kind of nail in the coffin of because I guess then he then he like accuses the doctor at that point mm. and makes the doctor stand next to um uh, Liddell and they are the same height and he's like well what does that mean we're the same height that's hardly proof of anything mm. and then we have the star of the show <laughs> and he's like you're forgetting about another witness that was here that night can you let her in please <laughs> and the doctor goes to the door and lets in little Maki Onaki and she's obviously very excited oh because he's just said I've never been to this apartment before in my life <laughs> we know that the dog um, loves him. Loves him. We know that the dog hates strangers. So when the dog acts very excited to see him, we're like, busted. Busted. Yeah. Um, but we haven't actually gone over some of the detail of the why. We've got the who. Uh, oh, yeah. We know a little bit about the how, but the why it transpires was they were looking to use the engrams onto which um, the memory punishment is grafted as a way of transferring the information that the scientist who was murdered uh, was compiling about the next generation of ships for that planet to use against the Nymerians. And that was why there had been multiple attacks on Voyager at any time at which Tom Paris was potentially kidnappable, uh, because they were trying to get hold of Tom Paris to nick the ship designs um, although they never really say 
how they managed to bribe Adil and the actual murderer to do that, or why. Well, it was just left as a done deal that that yeah. had happened, and over to you guys. Probably a bit like in Dick Tracy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yes, no, that's a really good point, the why. That was the, there was like that moment when they're um, kind of, it's all wrapping up, where Liddell mm. like runs towards the the Banaean doctor. And I was like, is that because she's in love with him? Or mm. because she's angry with him? I couldn't, I didn't quite know how to interpret mm. And then she turned, yeah. And then she turns around and gives Tom that little show, like, I would never hurt you. Mm. Or he's like, yes, you would. <laughs> Whatever he says. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. um and then we end i think oh i did make this little note because i said the final image of the scene is just janeway looking around at a crew looking very proud of everyone (laughs) she's like oh two bucks so smart i'm so glad tom didn't kill anyone i don't yeah Mm. oh which one Oh, yes. How is it the one where mind knots yes. go bad? Yeah. 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 But I, I also do quite like the moment at the end of the episode where Tom Paris tries to fo- tries to forge a bond with Tuvok, yes. the manly, I knew your pal, and So, so we, we wrap like, up. No, you don't. This was just me doing my job. Yeah, so the, we, the final scene is... Uh, is it the canteen? I don't know. Yeah. What, what that... Did you risk Vessel. my life on a dog's behaviour? Yeah. yeah, exactly. There's some who would say you would you risk my life future on the eyewitness identification of a dog <laughs> or something. Uh, and Tuvok claims that he would have done the same whether Paris was guilty or innocent. Um, and his comment about short talk. I just wrote short talk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I... I... Paris says, you don't, you keep to yourself. You don't really eat with people much. And he says, I don't do what humans call short talk. <laughs> it sounds a lot like Captain Holt, which is, you know, exactly. a good thing. We need some Star Trek Captain Holt. Oh my gosh. Okay. Before we, yeah, I just watched season eight of Brooklyn Nine-Nine and the one episode is so funny. Um, <laughs> uh, but then, yeah, Tom Paris gets up and stands up and kind of says, well, you've made a friend in me kind of. You've made one of me. Mm. Regardless, he's Tom is obviously very grateful that I mean Tuvok did save his life essentially, or save him from a life of torture. So mm. no wonder, no wonder he feels feels that way. Mm. Um. <laughs> I mean, Tom Paris does it by having sex with their wife. Sorry, <laughs> what you said, I meant. <laughs> yeah, that would be more entertaining. As long as I'm not the one accused of it. Um, <laughs> so, any thoughts on the theme or things you enjoyed the most? Or and we mustn't forget Star Player, but let's start with themes. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, there's there's a lot of Sin City. There's a lot of um, murder she wrote. There's a lot of Streetcar Named Desire all in that one episode, which being effectively a space opera is pretty darn impressive. <laughs> um, uh, 
Hmm. 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 Yeah, I think, I mean, I think over time I've enjoyed this episode more and more through rewatching. It's not one I wouldn't, as you kind of say, naturally hmm. uh, gravitate towards, even though, uh, but. Because I guess it doesn't, it's, there's, there's not a lot to, I mean, obviously it does raise the question of like, is this punishment humane? But it's such a, mm. it's a very small part of the uh, episode. Um, it's, it's not like a driving factor. But um, yeah, I think it's just hard to think of like a theme or message that the, um well, like and when you're when you're visiting a, a you know a country you don't know or planet you don't know just don't do anything stupid mm. <laughs> mm. um but yeah um so a star player who wants to begin uh, Good choice. Although the dog saves it by liking a murderer, which is the only thing that sort of makes me pause in awarding my star player award to the dog as opposed to Tuvok to annoy Red. Um, but the dog, the dog has some weird morals if if it likes a murderer. No, well, so from, so I mean, I'm going to go for. Actually, no, I'm going to go for Chicote and you know giving away Marquis state secrets and everyone loving him for it. <laughs> Chicote for the win. Closely okay. followed by Tuvok. Nice. I like this because I think we're all going to have a different one. Obviously, not just because I like Tuvok, but I think he was the star player. <laughs> Honestly, Reg, we mustn't be obvious on this podcast. Uh, and I love that he was playing Hercule Poirot, another favourite character. Of <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure he will. So. Mm. He's like Jessica Fletcher, Hercule Poirot, all in one. And those are other favorite characters of mine. Um, mm. Yeah, so anything else to add before we start recording? Uh, I, I think we've we've nailed pretty much everything going on this one. Um, not unlike Tom and any single woman he finds okay. in this episode. But um, sorry. On that note, we shall end. <laughs>